1029 The Hog presents another Bob and Brian podcast. This Bob and Brian podcast is brought to you by Marcus Theaters. Fun, safe, and stress-free gatherings were hard to plan until now. For only $99, you can reserve a theater for a private showing for up to 20 of your friends and family. Details online at MarcusTheaters.com. Let's get some music news. Our music guy, Gary Graff. Good morning, Gary. How are you? All right. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Hey, I uh, I watched that Tina Turner HBO documentary. I don't know if you've seen yep. it yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just just called Tina. Yeah. Yeah, it's not called What's Love Got to Do With It or anything. Even if you're not a Tina Turner fan, you're just a historian, it's pretty interesting. Oh, no, it's a compelling story because you're, talk- you're talking about, you know, a landmark performer uh, who lived a, co- a couple of different lives. In her life, there were the Ike and Tina Turner years, and then there were the Tina years. And she had to sue Ike just to get the name Tina because he made it up. It's not her right. name. Right. Oh, really? Tina is not her name. What is no. An- Annabelle or something? Anime. 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 Yeah. So and, she had uh, to go no, to court. She yeah. went to court to sue to be called Tina Turner because Ike right. just wanted to be an a-hole, and he wanted it. She And she picked up all the bills. She paid everything that Ike and oh, yeah. Tina... Oh, owed along the way, oh, know, yeah. did concerts on her own, you know, f- fulfill contracts that they had that were outstanding, and uh, basically went from there. It's a it's a good story. It's a, yeah, a lot, it, a lot of a lot of credibility to but, her. But the I thing mean, to, it's hard to get your head around is you see her flying around stage and dancing and moving, and it was a it was a full full on show. And then you see her being helped onto the stage at the end, right? And it's like wow, well, she. I guess she has deteriorated because she looks okay sitting well, yeah, in the chair. She's, she's been sick, yeah. You know, and then you know, so even even doing the those current interview segments of the show was was a real feat for her to you know for for her to be able to do that. And of course, this this documentary was her goodbye. I mean, this is in this documentary that she announced that she's done. Not that we didn't know that, but you know, she even says she says in the film that this is the last thing she's going to do. All right, here's another thing that we were talking about just before we went to commercials a second ago. Uh, we were talking about funerals and are there, can you get a Packer casket when you die? And got pictures of them. They're already out there because we said Packer fans, Steeler fans would love to go in their team's casket with their logo on it, right? Right. Do bands have caskets? Well, Kiss does. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, and then you'd have to pay for that undoubtedly. You'd have to pay. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I suspect, you know, with the help of any any good mortician, you huh. could certainly be buried in the, you know, in an, in tribute to any band you loved. You know, that it can, anything could be customized. What band casket would you like, Gary? Me? If you were I, going out in a casket, just if I was going out in a casket, and I have so haven't even thought about that. <laughs> um, so I'll get back to you on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not planning on a casket, casket, frankly. So. All right, oh, well. all right, well. All right, since we're on the whole casket and dead bodies and stuff, Sammy Hagar says, hey, he regrets being hard on Eddie there toward the end. Well, in his auto, in, in the autobiography, uh, when Sammy published Red, My Uncensored Life in Rock, uh, you know, which was back, I think, in the early 2000s, uh, he, you know, he bared all about his time in Van Halen and especially the separation. And he just said this week, that in you know in in the wake of Eddie's death, he does feel bad about airing some of the dirty laundry the way he did in that book. It came out in 2011, by the way, 
And, you know, but he did, he did go on to say, you know, he was angry at the time. He was still angry about the way, the you know, very brutal way he was shoved out of the band. And there was still a lot of animosity at the time he wrote the book. Uh, but, he, but he does feel bad about it now, and he's glad that he and Eddie did reconcile. But he's not it, saying any of it wasn't true, right? Well, no, he's actually, he asked Sammy to go on to say that even with what he said, he was kind of being nice to the guys. That he did pull that he did pull punches even in as forthright and direct as he was in the book. Yeah, okay. And he's pretty direct and forthright. Uh, Sharon Osbourne's going to be back on TV. She is for tonight, a little while tonight on HBO with uh, with uh, Bill Maher. Uh, she's gonna she's gonna talk about what happened with her on the talk, and you know the the feud with her with her co-hosts. And, is that know, what it's being called now? Is that a feud that she has going on? Oh, uh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> this is a feud because yeah, it just it's started. The dictionary is feud. <laughs> That's okay. Feuds start. Feuds have starting points. Yep. So it'll be inter- You know, I mean, I suspect you know Bill. Bill is known for not pulling punches and for being able to draw out his guests. And you know, it's not like Sharon needs a lot of drawing out anyway. I don't see this as a soft, soft landing spot for Sharon to tell her story. No, not necessarily. Because well, it, it'll be interesting. I'm really fascinated to see how Mar handles it. Because on one hand, I could see him commiserating with her about political correctness and everything. On the other hand, I can see him slamming her for defending Piers Morgan and for her allegedly racist behavior towards her co-host. And how, I, I, I could really see it going either way. I could see it going both ways. How long, a, is this, how long is this interview? An hour, hour and a half? No, I, no, I think they go, they tend to be like 10 minutes or so. Oh, that's it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ten? She'll be, I suspect she's going to be the, she's either the first one on or the, the, the guest who oh, comes she, on with the panel. It's not just her and Bill. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's part of uh, part of the show tonight. I thought they had switched to like a Larry King format for, yeah, no. for the evening. No, she'll <laughs> be part, you know, she'll be one of the segments. But, you know, it should be good. I mean, I don't, like I say, I don't suspect she's going to pull any punches. And, and even if Bill comes out as for or again her, I think, uh, I think he's going to give her the room to say what she wants. What are the odds she walks off? Uh, zilch. Okay. Zilch. All I right. can say what you will. You know, people, everybody has their own opinion about Bill Maher. He is a very gifted interview and host, and he's he's very, whether his guests are from the left, right, center, or Mars, he's he's very good at, at you know, interviewing them and, and giving them giving them the opportunity for them to say what he wants to say, they, what they want to say. And what, he want, and what he wants to say, for that matter. We talked about uh, what coffin you want to be buried in. How about uh, whose statue are you going to have on your estate? <laughs> this is a good one. So, yeah, Roger uh, Roger Taylor, the drummer in Queen, actually owns the Freddie Mercury statue. It's a 20-foot-high statue that they had in front of the theater for many years when the We Will Rock You musical. Twenty feet. Was, that's quite 20 a statue. Feet. That's a lot of. It's a lot of Freddy. Yeah, it is. Okay, Before... there's a big. There's a big base, and I'm not using that as a euphemism. It's <laughs> just a big base for the statue. I think before you uh, go and purchase your twenty foot statue of your favorite rock star, you better read your HOA agreement, don't you think? <laughs> Definitely. Well, it's been in. It's been in. It can have some cement lions out there. But... It's been in Roger Taylor's rockery since he owned it. Well, now, now he plans to put it out in the garden. 
of his property in Surrey, which he, you know, he's renovating the garden. So I guess he's gone. He's gone to the whatever you call it, the village township, you know, whatever the municipality is to, you know, with the plans for the garden. And yeah. there's, there's 20 foot feet of Freddie smack dab in the middle. Is this thing chiseled out of marble or what's it made out of? It's, I mean, it's something hard. I mean, if it lands on your foot, it's going to do damage. Okay. Type of statue. If it lands on your body, you're dead uh, type of thing. So, yeah, no, it is a great big statue. It's a good looking statue. <laughs> You know, it's not. It looks like Freddy, so I guess it's a question of it will. <laughs> it will apparently not tower above the gate, but it will be visible from above the gate. So, is that acceptable for people who are passers-by? I can't imagine in England any passers-by are going to mind having a little bit of Freddy peeking up over the gate. You know, he's pretty <laughs> much a, he's pretty much an icon there. But but yeah. you never know. I'm sure it's a well-to-do neighborhood. So. You know, if they want that, if they want that as part of it or not. Well, there's so, no wondering who lives there anymore, then, right? Right, exactly. You know, at least it's it's either a big Queen fan or one of the guys in Queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all figured out years and years and years ago that that was not a wardrobe malfunction <laughs> at the Super Bowl. That was part of the choreography. So I could never figure out why we called it a wardrobe malfunction. Well, and neither neither can uh, Wayne Scott, who was Janet Jackson's stylist for many years. And uh, just this week, spoke out to page six and was talking about it. And, and he revealed that what was going on there was, you have to remember, Justin Timberlake was still fairly freshly broken up with Britney Spears at the time. And just before that Super Bowl, she had done the Kiss with Madonna on the MTV Video Music Awards. So according to Janet stylist, Justin was looking something to upend you know, and eclipse what Britney has done, something more outrageous. So origin I guess the script yes, there was a script. Originally was supposed to to be Justin was gonna pull up the back of Janet's dress and show off her butt. But I guess he pushed and so they went with the wardrobe malfunction that hundred and fifty million viewers saw and that we're still talking about you know, so what, two thousand four? So, we're talking about seventeen years later. Did he get what he wanted? A bigger splash than Britney oh, and yeah. Madonna. It's just a touch, but I think it. I think we can agree it backfired to a degree. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think they got a positive response. Whereas Britney and Madonna and Christina Aguilera got a got a fairly positive response for what they did. Uh, Janet Jackson, by the way, is going to be selling a collection of more than one thousand personal items. Uh, going up for auction mid-May to coincide with her 55th birthday. Is that uh, whole outfit from the Super Bowl available with the is, Velcroed on? I don't see that listed here. Uh, <laughs> they do have they do have her wedding dress from her secret marriage back in 1991. The outfit she wore in the Scream video uh, with Michael Jackson. Some of the outfits from her Control period and Rhythm Nation. Uh, you know, there are, those are going to be up. A bunch of other memorabilia. So it's going to be quite a uh, it's going to be quite a, a an auction. Well, they're there, going on. They're going on. Go there's ahead. plenty of other stuff in there too. You got a couple of Dylan guitars. Well, or no, a... this is, that, these are different auctions. Oh. So that's the Janet Jackson auction. Ew. Then uh, also next month, uh, Bob Dylan's the electric guitar he played to record "Blonde on Blonde" is going up for auction. It's a it's a Fender 1965 Fender electric. So it's actually a contemporaneous 
Fender. It's vintage now, but it was contemporaneous to the time they recorded an album. Uh, it's been valued at a million dollars. Your real Dylan fans are not interested in an electric Dylan well, no, guitar. I, I, I disagree. I think I think there are lots of real Dylan fans who would love some of those mid '60s electrics that he played. You know, at the you know at the various festivals and at Royal Albert Hall, and that he recorded the album with. Uh, so that's one thing. Then in another auction, Metallica guitarist Kurt Hammett is going to auction his Ouija board guitar. It's kind of famous. It's made by ESP. Uh, he used it throughout much of the 90s. Uh, this, comes in the, this comes in the wake of the auction of another Kirk Hammett guitar. That was the one he played in the one video. Uh, that sold for $112,500. So they're looking for even more for the uh, Ouija board guitar. And then finally, uh, what's considered the Holy Grail of all Beatles albums to collectors. The White Album copy 000001 uh, is just up on the auction block. Hold on. I have bought plenty of records and CDs over my life. I have never seen a number on any of the albums. Am I not looking in the right place? Uh, some do, but this was from a series that Capitol pressed especially. Uh, for the Beatles members and for some Capitol executives, Ringo, if you'll recall, auctioned off one of one of his his copy of that first run, and he got seven hundred ninety thousand dollars for it, signed, of course. So you know, there. But this is this is the very first one off the press, packaged and marked as the the very first copy of the White Album. Don't they automatically hand that to somebody who's you know? Important to the band, or the well, song, nobody or through I'm the sure, band. I'm sure somebody at Capitol knows who got it first. Currently, it's being currently it's owned by a well-known Beatles collector, so well known that they're not revealing his or her name. Okay. But and <laughs> and so well known, I don't know who it is. Is it been opened? Has it been? No, a, no, it's sealed. That's okay. the thing. This so, is sealed. Ringo's, so Ringo's okay. was sealed too. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the big that's the big deal. So you know, I know you guys are looking for my birthday present. Anything I just mentioned, I, I'm not so I'm not so keen on Janet Jackson's wedding dress, but okay. the, Dylan, the Dylan guitar, the White Album. We were thinking more in one of those Who Bean things. <laughs> the, uh, the the with the Who is doing with with Heinz. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I would kind of be okay with that too because it would it, it would take yeah. some effort to get. Yeah, well, you'd be good with that. Explain that a little bit. The Who and the uh... so yeah, the Who. You know, the Who next week is releasing a box set edition of Who Sells Out, and this was their kind of concept parody album from uh, back in 1968, and, you know, they did, as part of the shtick of it, they did a, they, they did a bunch of fake ads, you know, including one for Heinz Beans. In fact, Roger Daltrey, I believe it is, is pictured on the cover of the album holding a can of Heinz beans. It was well, a now, way to mock other bands for selling out. For selling right, out at the to, time, right. To, yeah, that to, was it. You know, the they who, they the lent the their who, songs to sell ketchup or something. Right, the Who sells out. And not that much of that was going on at the time, but just enough that the Who felt like it had to make a comment about it. So they are, they've partnered now with Heinz Beans, and they're making it Doing the exact thing that they were mocking yeah. on the album. Okay. Well, with, ex with the exception, of, in the Who's case, these cans of, of Heinz, these special cans of Heinz baked beans, the proceeds will go to the Teenage Cancer Trust, 
with Roger Daltrey. Well, there you so go. Started, look look so at yeah, that. They purified the yeah. process. They, they're exactly. Doing, they're doing it for a good cause. Yeah, I can't believe we were talking about caskets and this didn't come up. Uh, <laughs> Blue Oyster Cult frontman says he does not want Don't Fear the Reaper played at his funeral. Do not play that. Can we play Godzilla? Um, well, well, Don't Fear the Reaper to, is, a, is a suicide song. Yeah, Eric, right. Eric Bloom, who is the front man of Blue Oyster Cult and co-wrote Don't Fear the Reaper, in fact, does not want any music played at his funeral. He was asked in an interview this week just if he's, you know, what kind of music would he like to have at his funeral? And he did say, he said, you'd think it would be Don't Fear the Reaper, wouldn't you? But he said he doesn't want any music at all, just close family and a private graveside service. So, yeah, no Godzilla, you know, no... Yeah, not nothing from Blue Oyster Cult or anybody else. What about a comfort dog for the funeral? Yeah, for the family. You know, that's Maybe. A, that's a thing that I've seen in commercials. Oh. You know, that we have a comfort dog. You know, if uh, you're struggling with the loss of uh, somebody, you really yeah. a dog come up. And- yeah, no, that's not a bad thing. I guess that's up for the family to to call. All right, before we go, uh, there's two record store days planned this summer. I, I, you are a huge supporter of mom and pop record stores, which are are they still falling off the face of the earth or with the with the resurgence of vinyl? Is it slowly picking they've up steam back, again? Well, there's a couple of factors there. They've come back a little bit. I don't know how many of the independent record stores would tell you they're, you know, they're rolling in the dough uh, now. But they have they have resurged somewhat, partly due to the resurgence of, of vinyl, also due to all the you know the big stores getting out of the music business. You know, there aren't any big music chains anymore. The Best Buys of the world are, and you know, even Target are, are you know, their, their, their music sales are either gone or, or vastly diminished. Target actually has, now it's not like the old days, but Target actually has a vinyl rack. You know, sure. they'll have like 30 or 40 albums there. It's not like the old days where they had a whole, a whole record. music section. Right. So, yeah, so that, that has opened the door again for independent music stores to come back. So this year, there are going to be what they call two drops, June 12 and July 17. That's when, and there's a ton of exclusive titles, you know, including The Who, uh, you know, you name it. They're, they're putting something out for Record Store Day, Pink Floyd, uh, you know, any, anybody you'd want. Uh, you know, I almost hesitate to start listing them uh, because there's so many and I'll miss them. But June 12th and July 17th will be the days to show love to your mom and pop record store go in you know in the past these have been big parties uh covid kind of curtailed that last year and we'll do so again this year but they'll be a little more open than they were all right gary good work again this morning and you guys too all right talk next week all right we'll talk to you then take care gary graff our music expert